The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VowFM 88.1 for your weekly dose of business finance and economics news. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bromfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mbilio Mob Justice Kawaz and I'm uh, going to be your host and I'm joined in studio by the lovely Slingiwe Sondo. How are you Slingiwe? I'm good, thanks Mbilio. How are you doing this week? I don't know, I'm doing alright, I'm doing alright. How has your week been? I actually hadn't given it a thought. Um, I think I've had better weeks. <laughs> I think I've had better weeks. I did um, have a, um, a very uh, gruesome test oh, wow. this, this week. Academics can be very oppressive, they, can't they? they uh, yeah, I think that's the operative word. Yeah. Education is oppression. I'm kidding, kids, go to school. <laughs> <laughs> but last week you were away. You know, yes, you, you, I went home. Uh, how was that? Oh, that was awesome. It was just a, a whole lot of rejuvenation and uh. relaxation and mama's cooking. That's always a good thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this week uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a moving of a different kind, not really going home, but creating a new home mm. uh, in another country. We're going to be talking about immigration, and we have to distinguish between immigration and immigration. Immigration is when you're coming to a place. Mm-hmm. So, if someone moving to South Africa is immigrating to South Africa. And that has a double M. Yes. Yes. So, that's I double M, like mm-hmm. what thing you were saying. And then, immigration is when you're moving out. That's birds <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's when you're moving out so we're going to be talking about uh, moving out of South Africa what are the cost implications for that uh, what are some of the things you need to be uh, taking into consideration and we're going to be having a an immigration agent talking to us about uh, moving abroad together with a financial migration agent uh, telling us what it means to migrate financially from South Africa and we're going to be hearing from some uh, of our listeners, uh, South Africans that have made the move overseas. We're actually going to start now. Uh, we have uh, Alex, uh, who told us a little bit about um, their moving experience, but I think this one was more educational. Here's what they had to say. My name is Alex. I'm from Johannesburg, now living in Berlin. Um, I didn't decide to immigrate exactly. I kind of just came here to do my master's and then ended up liking it enough that I wanted to stay. Financially, it was a lot easier than it seemed when I was in South Africa. Uh, The cost of living is actually quite comparable and reasonable. The main challenge actually just comes from the initial move. You need quite a bit more money than you would expect. Finding a place to live is not easy and takes some time. So you're going to spend a lot of money on temporary accommodation. which is naturally more expensive than somewhere long-term. You're also starting mostly from scratch and end up having to buy a lot of little unexpected things and that adds up very quickly. Lastly, even though it's not as hard as it seems, it's still a lot of work and effort. Europe especially has a lot of paperwork and bureaucracy to wade through. But most of all, in the beginning, it's extremely lonely. It's hard to make meaningful friends, both from a Northern European cultural perspective but also because the point in your life where you're financially able to immigrate is also the point where social circles are for the most part solidified and it's extremely difficult to work your way to being fully accepted even in the most welcoming circles. 
So that's uh, Alex telling us a little bit about uh, his experience moving to Berlin. As you heard from there, a lot of financial implications, but off air, all of us were like, Aww. Aww. when it came to uh, the feelings of being lonely a bit. But you can understand different yeah. society, different Especially culture. Especially also when you think, uh, you know, Germany is like a whole new language. Mm. So there's also that dynamic. I mean, and, and also that added dynamic of, have, of um, having solidified relationships by the time you get to your like adulthood like he says yeah so you, that's how our show is going to be looking like uh, but definitely make sure you keep in touch with us on social media uh, and let us know if you've had uh, this experience are you a South African living uh, have you actually lived in another country? I think that's the first thing. And would you want to live in another country? On social media, how can people get in touch with us? So you can find and follow us on Voice of Vits FM 88.1. And you can also find us on the following social media platforms. Facebook, Vow FM, Voice of Vits and Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we are at Vow FM and our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. On WhatsApp, it's 084-078-4912. You can also uh, stream us live on www.vowfm.co.za and you can catch our podcasts if you miss the show. Um, on www.vits.journalism.co.za slash business. So yeah, that's how uh, we're going. That's how you can keep in touch with us. Otherwise, uh, on the other side of this, we're getting into our business wrap. That's a part of the show. We give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news, and then Slingy will be giving us our Buffalo Index. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. We are talking immigration today on the business buzz. But before we get into all of that, it's time for us to give you the week's top trending business and economics news with our business wrap. On the line, we're joined by our financial expert. We have Zanele Konene from BDO Wealth Advisors. How are you, Zanele? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? No, 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 we're doing all right. Um, as we begin today, I understand that there have been a lot of different uh, numbers and figures and whatnot that have come out. Uh, what's going on in the markets, in the economy, everything? All right, so must we start with the markets? Let's start there. It's always good to start with something Trump said. Um, <laughs> so Trump um, announced this week that he will be releasing the new levies on Chinese exports, um, where he will be placing about twenty-five, adding about twenty-five percent tariff on on a further two hundred and twenty billion of Chinese exports, and this makes investors really, really worried because that this means if he's going to be putting um, more uh, uh, tariffs on them, it's like more tariffs on China, then it's like, ooh, who do we invest in? And that just puts a trade war, and that affects all the other emerging markets and just the globe at, at much. So South Africa would be quite affected by that, so investors are pulling out of emerging markets and running into safe havens. Um, and also, in terms of South Africa, um, investors are also quite shaky because of the land expropriation without compensation um, deal or bill that have been proposed. So a lot of investors are quite shaky about that. But in terms of um, data that has been released, the retail um, figures also came up uh, this week as well. So the data shows that um, the retail figures increased in July by about 1.3%. But this does not mean from June to July we increased. It's from Ju- I mean, it's from July 
2018 and July 2017 compared together. So we increased by 1.3%. Um, and that's really good because an increase is an indicator that the, econ- the economic activity is picking up. Um, despite the, the, the data, the, um, the sour data that we, we heard of last week, that we are in a technical recession and the economy is not doing so well. So this data really does put some um, confidence back in each and every one of us that the economy is going to pick up and it will recover. Um, a lot of retailers have been battling to lift earnings. And we see this as well as a consumer because as a consumer, we've been spending less money you know, because of trans, um, increased transport costs, um, household debt has increased, poor economic activity. Um, even with that, that increase also affected us because I remember buying a shirt and the tag was, uh, I think it was about between 200 rand and someone scratched that off and they put like 220 rand and they wrote the exact. I was like, that's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is that shirt worth it? No, it wasn't. Um, so we were spending less. Um, so retailers and businesses were quite affected um, by just by the poor economic growth. Um, in terms of uh, business confidence, does it necessarily mean that businesses are finding it hard to operate in South Africa or are we saying that they are experiencing a bit of a slump? Like, what, what, what does that actually mean for us? Well, the business confidence figures, um, they show how, they, they illustrate or they show how businesses are experiencing the current environment. So how are they experiencing South African economic activity at that point in time? You know, so in July, it was about 94.7, and now in August, it is at 90.5. So it shows that businesses aren't quite confident in expanding. The experience of the South African economy is quite poor because, to look at it, we aren't spending, we aren't growing. Um, There are a lot of things that are limited or restricting South Africa right now. So that's what the business confidence shows. And the decline was mostly due to um, merchandise export volumes were quite low and also the weaker end and higher inflation. And if I could just touch on the weaker end quick, quick. Um, the rand right now is at about 14 rand point 78 cents. Last week we were almost reaching 16 rand um, because of the technical recession data that was released. So we are quite firmer than we were last week. So that's quite good. Thumbs up. Um, in terms of inflation, we are at about 5.1 percent right now, and that's still okay because we are still within the three um, to six percent bracket. Um, so when the Reserve Bank reviews inflation as well as um, interest that I believe on the 20th of September we'll hear um, what they are thinking about and what they want to increase inflation or decrease inflation and um, we'll hear from them on the 20th of September um, but overall businesses are just looking for South Africa to grow the economic the economy just to do well and that's how they can expand and that's how we become a happy 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 good nation so, if we want to become a happy, happy, good nation, we need to pay attention to what uh, the Monetary Policy Committee is going to be saying at the end of this month. As you heard, we're on the line with our financial expert, Zanele Kunene, uh, giving us a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. As you heard, uh, our retail sales figures have come out saying that uh, South Africans are buying more, but at the same time, uh, the Business Confidence Index is indicating that businesses are experiencing the South African economy in a slumped way 
which doesn't make sense if you think about the retail figures and at the same time we're being affected uh, marginally uh, by the trade war that Trump has initiated with China. It's looking to be quite a a tough couple of weeks uh, but we're going to be watching how the markets and the economy react to these uh, different sets of data. On the other side of this uh, we come back down and let you know the state of your 100 rand as Lingyue gives us the Buffalo Index. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the Buffalo Index. That's the part of the show where we give you your 100 rand, the state of it. What can you buy with it? Does it buy you anything? Is it worth it to even keep uh, this Buffalo thing in your pocket anymore? And uh, we have Hleng uh, to just give us a roundup. How, what's my 100 rand looking like this week? Your 100 rand is looking strained. <laughs> <laughs> That's very honest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but let's go through it. So yeah. mo- moving abroad can um, take significant strain on one's finances. Yeah. So it's really important to be as prepared as logically um, possible and as, yeah. as, and start um, that preparation as early as you can. Yeah. So we're going to give our listeners a rundown of some of the financial implications of starting a new life in a new part of the world. Um, I chatted to a representative from Canada Abroad. Yeah. That's uh, an agency that focuses on on assisting um, their clients with um, immigration to Canada specifically. And uh, she mentioned that um, in terms of the um, agency fees, that they start from um, 20,000 rands to 50,000 rands. So that's 2,000 to 3,000 buffaloes. Yeah. And this ranges on the, and depending on the package that the client selects. And this is to assist in facilitating that your move abroad. And then there's also a mandatory uh, language test, which is 24 buffaloes. And this is a, a, an, 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 English, an English test yeah. to test your proficiency in the language. And then there's an e- educational uh, credential assessment. That's 35 buffaloes. There's associated career fees. And these um, can come to five buffaloes. There's a medical examination. And that's around 22 buffaloes and loss and then there's a, a police clearance which is just under a buffalo at 97 rands yeah so and and then there's other costs like um, for example accommodation so to the new area that you you're moving to um, I was looking at some of the apartments for example in Toronto um, specifically looking at the case study of Canada and uh, one of the cheapest places that I could find was a one-bedroom apartment that was going for 161 buffaloes and so that's 16,000 rands 114 rand and that's um, just a studio apartment that um, one one bedroom apartment and that was on kiji.ca um, and then there's also like um, transfer and authorization fees and when you're moving t- um, to a new country there's uh, obviously the, the financial insurance and other um, implications and you need to um, pay transfer and administration costs and these depend on, on obviously the institution that you are currently banking with and then there's the um, the application fees, the conventional application fees that's for your, um, for your visas and um, on the um, Canada site it was um, $50 which is 732 rands and that's just under 8 buffaloes and then there's the service charge of the application handling which was just under 4 buffaloes um, and then there's also the actual flight cost. And I was looking at SAA, um, trying to support our ailing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to support our uh. ailing national service. And mm. so, and that came to um, 
351 buffaloes, which is 35,000 rands uh, for a one-way uh, on economy. So that's kind of steep. And then there's just other miscellaneous costs that you would obviously need to look at depending on whether you're traveling alone or you're traveling with your entire family, ranging from medical to entertainment and um, like appliances and furniture and all those things that um, that one of our um, guests has already touched on. Yeah. Yes, so that is really just the state of your 100 rand today. Mm. Okay, cool. I, I'm not going to, you know, ask you right now which one you're going to get into. Uh, I would say out of everything um, that you spoke about, what shook you the most in terms of the costs? It was the apartments, the one-bedroom apartments <laughs> for 16,000 rand. Yeah, yeah. But I guess maybe for people living in Cape Town, there might not be too much of a shock. But for people in Joburg... Yeah. We, we yeah we're not used to paying um such exorbitant uh fees for for accommodation i think mm. we are a little spoiled but um <laughs> i guess those are the some of the good things about you know living in south africa mm. uh when you look at such things if you could move to anywhere which country would you want to move to i think hey, it's a t- that's such a tough question uh i think the UK or Canada. Okay. I used to like the States. But the, but the States at the moment... <laughs> it's kind of looking shaky. It's, it's, it's a bit shaky. Those people are going through the most they at the are, moment. So it's, 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 it's not for me. Awesome. It's not for me. Anyway, on the other side of this, we're getting into our main topic. Uh, earlier on, we spoke about... You heard Ling, you were mentioning Canada abroad. We actually have uh, Deanne Akers-Lanes, uh, who's going, who is from Canada abroad, who's going to be telling us about... Uh, what life is like if you want to move to a place like Canada, uh, but that would be on the other side of this. This is the business buzz. More justice on the business buzz. Today we are talking immigration and immigration. If you heard at the start of the show, we're talking about moving outside of South Africa. What are some of the things that you need to know? Uh, what is it all about? On social media, you can find us. Uh, we are Vow FM or Voice of Vits, and you can find our own Facebook page. We have the Vits Radio Academy Facebook page, and then on Twitter, we are at Vow FM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. Um, but before we get into the main discussion, uh, because we're about to talk to uh, D. Deanne Acres Lanes from Canada Abroad. Uh, we have uh, a clip from Stuart telling us about his experience. Hi, my name is Stuart and I immigrated from South Africa to Germany in July of 2017. So it's been just over a year. I immigrated because I wanted to be closer to my girlfriend and I felt like my career had stagnated in South Africa. And if I was going to continue to develop professionally, I was becoming too specialized to be anything other than an academic So hence, yeah, I started looking abroad. The main challenge for me emigrating was the financial challenge. Relocating across continents is obviously somewhat expensive. So I had a stable job at the time in South Africa, which put me in the fortunate position where I could be selective about the timing of my move and make financially wiser decisions. I looked at website blogs of people documenting their experiences moving to the country I was moving to and proof checked that what they were telling me was actually true. Being informed meant I had no costly surprises awaiting me over the move. I then shopped around for when would be the cheapest time of the year to fly and save money there. I also spent a lot of time looking at what would be the best way to ship the assets I did want to take with me overseas. In the end, I spent around 8,000 Rand to ship 240 kilograms worth of boxes from Durban to the south of Germany. I also had plenty of time to sell the assets I didn't want to take with me and ensure I got a reasonable price for them rather than desperately getting rid of them. 
and knowing which assets I needed in Germany, I literally watched the daily deals on Amazon.de and waited for specials on products I, I knew I wanted. For example, I sold my three-year-old TV in South Africa for 4,000 Rand, but bought a much better TV in Germany for far less than that because I waited for a really good deal to come along. So one thing I found many expats have ever looked, though, is the cost of integrating. I moved to a country where I didn't know the language. I didn't speak German. So I took language lessons to make sure I was able to actually integrate into the society I was living in. I tried using free apps, then paid apps, but I found that none of those language apps quite worked for me, and I found what did work best for me was day classes. So that cost was about 3,000 rand a month, going on a year now where I'm actually at a level I consider I'm somewhat fluent and I don't necessarily need the lessons. It's not a massive necessity, but I think it is very, very much worthwhile, and that's the only thing I'd give a heads up on. Knowing the language obviously allows you access to the society, allows you to integrate, feel a lot more at home and a lot more comfortable with the surroundings, and also gives you much better access to jobs in your local vicinity. In the end, given that I had time to sort myself out, it didn't need to be any more expensive than a visa and a flight, but I took the option of having a more comfortable transition and enjoying the move more. The move was nothing but pleasant, and financially speaking, there were no real surprises when it came to my immigration, and the cost in the end was a lot less than I thought it would be. So that's as uh, you heard that was Stuart talking about his experience moving to Germany. Uh, we seem to be having a, a young German theme uh, right now. Uh, but before we talk to uh, Diane, uh, we actually have uh, two tweets. The first one is, I hope I pronounced this correctly, but I think it's uh, nerd photography at nerd photography, and uh, they're saying that it's tricky moving out of the township. I mean, I can't even uh, afford being in the CBD, so not even. And then uh, at Kamvaletu, uh, uh, talking about no, I don't think so. I can't even afford to live in South Africa. So immigration um what are actually the costs of moving overseas uh, on the line we're joined by diane acres lanes who is uh, the founder of uh, canada abroad uh, diane is actually the only regulated canadian immigration consultant in south africa uh, how are you diane Good. How are you guys doing? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I'm. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, there's been a bit of a common theme. People are complaining about uh, moving out of South Africa that it costs a lot. They weren't ready uh, for the cost of living abroad and the like. Um, what is the actual? Uh, can I say motivation for a person to actually leave uh, South Africa when they could be so comfortable at home? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And the trend right now with the clients that we're seeing is most of them are actually saying that they're quite happy here, but they're looking to move out just to get their children another citizenship because they're more concerned about the next generation's opportunities, where they say that for themselves, they're actually quite comfortable. And they know that if they leave South Africa right now, it's actually going to be quite a financial strain for them. And then in terms of that, why has Canada actually proven um, to be such a popular destination for South Africans to actually move to? Because uh, doing research, we actually came up with uh, a couple of areas in the world that seem to be popular. Uh, the Australia-New Zealand region on the one end of the globe and then Canada on the other side of the globe. Why is Canada so so popular at the moment? 
Well, I mean, number one, it's still relatively easy to get into Canada without a job offer, which is um, usually most people's difficulty is finding that offer before they go. Recently, Australia has made some changes to their program, and they usually are the most popular for South Africans. So with those changes, people that were previously eligible to immigrate to Australia are no longer able to go that route. So they're now looking at Canada. And Canada is still taking over 120,000 new immigrants every year. And it's quite an accepting culture of immigrants as opposed to, say, maybe the United States. So it's very appealing for South Africans. And as an English-speaking country, as opposed to maybe some of the European countries, it's much easier for them to adapt and start working and kids to go into school right away. So it's a lot easier to integrate into Canada. And then the thing that you then wonder about is despite the fact that a place like Canada or places like Australia are so open to um, immigrants coming in from other parts of the world, what is the mood of South Africans then? Are are there a lot of South Africans that are considering moving abroad or is it still a niche sort of market? It's actually, I would say, been increasing at least 10% over the last five years. So a lot of people are a lot more interested um, than previously. And we found that it's a lot more the younger generation right now that have graduated university and they maybe have a year or two of work experience under their belt. And they either find that maybe they're not progressing here or there's not enough job opportunities. So they're actually looking to go over um, just from the employment perspective. And then you are the founder of Canada Abroad. It's a, it's an agency that helps um, people to actually make that move. So what are some of the things that, let's say perhaps I say that I want to move to Halifax, uh, for example, um, and I think it's going to be the greatest thing and I engage your services. What are some of the things um, that you're going to help me out with? Uh, what is the, some of the advice that you tend to help clients with? What are some of the um, pieces of advice that you have already lined up for people uh, going overseas yeah I mean obviously we start with if they are eligible to make the move because unfortunately some people might start with the process from things that they've read online they're paying you know thousands of rand to do language tests and education assessments and maybe they're not even eligible to immigrate so that's always the first thing that we go over just to make sure that they are aware of the process and then we do explain you know the different parts of Canada depending on who you are as a person, it's a very large country. So weather is going to be different. The types of people are going to be different. Employment opportunities, um, culture, language. Canada is French and English, but most of the country, if you speak English, you're fine. So it's only a small you know, percentage of the area of Canada that you need to know French. So depending on where they're looking to move, we go over those things. And the one thing that I've found lately is most people always come and say, I want to move to Vancouver or Toronto because it's the only two places they've ever heard of, (laughs) you know, to be honest. And with those two areas right now, the housing cost is double the rest of the country. So we do sort of point this out to South Africans. If you're going over with RAND, you're usually better to start outside of those areas just from a housing cost perspective. And then also weather. Um, Obviously, everyone expects that it's going to be winter (laughs) year-round. Some winters are longer than others. um, But most people, you know, they also say, I want to go to Vancouver because it's warmer. Well, yes, in the winter, it does get less snow than the rest of the country, but it's about 180 days of rain a year, which most South Africans are definitely not used to. 
So there's a lot of things that South Africans need to think about before moving over there. Little things are very hard to adapt in the first year. Um, obviously, I immigrated to South Africa and I've gone through that process. So I always tell people the first year that you immigrate to another country is the most difficult. Just getting used to the little things, uh, the cultures, the sayings. I mean, going to the grocery store and things are going to be different brands, different names. There's a lot of little things to think about, not just the big things. So from your experience, actually, I like the fact that you've brought the fact that you actually did uh, a move of your own from Canada to South Africa. Do you th- which do you think is is an easier process for a person to move from uh, to move to South Africa or for a, for a person to move uh, from South Africa? Personally, I think it's going to be a bit easier for someone to move from South Africa to Canada. Um, I just found when I came here, obviously, well, one thing is always going to be driving on the other side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) That's the main thing people are always concerned about. But look, I've been here seven years. I love the country, obviously. But sometimes things are just more efficient in Canada. You know, if you're going to our Department of Home Affairs, you're in and out maybe in 10 minutes where anyone who's been to Home Affairs lately getting an ID book knows you might be there from five in the morning till the end of the day. So little things like that or I find more efficient in Canada and it's easier to adapt that way because you're not struggling on arrival to get documents sorted out Um, but I also find I mean the people in both countries are very friendly and welcoming so that um, is a huge thing as well employment I mean we know what the unemployment rate is here it might be I'm going to say based on what I've seen it's easier for someone going to Canada to find employment quicker than someone coming to South Africa. And then, uh, in terms of that, I like the fact that you've brought in the work aspect as well. For our young listeners that are in university at the moment, if someone has already uh, sort of set in, set in their mind that straight out of university, I want to make that move, um, what are some of the things that they can already start doing so that they can orient themselves uh, to be better placed? You spoke about eligibility earlier on. So how can they be putting those things in place now so that when it's time to make the move it will be a smoother process yeah i mean the programs that exist right now for canada typically any graduate from university they need at least one year of full-time paid work experience anywhere in the world but usually you're going to have to have it locally and once you've got the one year of experience then you're eligible for the immigration programs so it's you know focus on finishing your qualification Um, It is a point system for Canada right now, so people who do have an honours are going to be ranked quite a bit higher than those that just have a bachelor's. And the difference between an honours and a master's is not as substantial. Um, So if you are deciding, you know, maybe I want to do that honours, in terms of immigrating, it can be very useful. But you'll typically find you're going to need at least one year of work experience before you can start the process. Um, so in terms of, you know, what they can start doing in the meantime is just making sure that you're preparing mentally and saving. Because I know that you guys were focused on the cost perspective. There's obviously the cost of, you know, the process and the visas. But what Canada does is for any applicant, they actually say, we want to see that you have a certain amount of money in your bank account. It's not to be used for the process, but we want to know that you have it available so when you arrive in Canada you can actually support yourself for the first few months while you're looking around and finding employment. 
So for the single individual, they need to show they have at least 130,000 rand in their bank account, and that can take quite a while to accumulate. That's actually quite a bit of a cost. So that was us. We were talking to uh, Deanne Akers-Lanes, who is the founder of uh, Canada Abroad. They are an immigration consultancy uh, that's uh, for for Canada. Uh, Deanne is the only regulated Canadian immigration consultant in South Africa. I've actually been to Canada personally. It's a beautiful country. And one of the biggest things I can definitely say in comparison, uh, because I made the move to South Africa, uh, is is that in terms of home affairs, I can attest to what she was talking about. Uh, getting a visa to go to Canada took less than a week, uh, but getting the visa that I'm on at the moment took me more than a year. You know, so it's it, it, the, the the differences are quite stark. But uh, we'll be talking uh, about a different kind of immigration on the other side of this. We're talking about financial immigration on the other side of this. Keep it locked. This is the business buzz. The, the business buzz. Welcome back to the show. You have quarters just in time to chat to, so you can listen to um, the other side of, of immigration, as Madiwa has mentioned, financial immigration. And and this is really a specialized service to indiv- individuals wishing to immigrate financially from South Africa. We're going to play um, the clip by, uh, by Travis first. My name is Travis Carlisle. At the moment, I am in Chengdu, China. I'm working here mostly as a media advisor, sort of making podcasts, media work, uh, video work, writing stuff, but also teaching on the site because that's what foreigners do in China. (laughs) Moving to China, the biggest expense really, apart from like visa costs, which are, which will run to probably about a thousand-ish rand um, based on all the documents you need to get, the documents you need to get certified, the different things you need to get from home affairs and stuff. The biggest financial strain would just be your flight tickets. Um, setting up shop in China is super, super easy. Properties here are ludicrously cheap. Uh, rent is close to nothing. I'm paying the same amount, about uh, 7,000 rand a month. Uh, included in that is water and electricity, um, as well as gas. Um, and I'm living in the middle of one of the most modern cities in the world, in Chengdu. I'm probably one of the two or three uh, richest areas in the city. Um, It's extremely to-do. And it's like, yeah, seven grand a month for a three-bedroom apartment with an office, two bathrooms, two showers. But then in comparison, I was paying the same amount for a one-bedroom, one-room place in Joburg. So financially, uh, they're worlds apart in terms of what you get for what you pay for. I was lucky in the fact that I have a lot of friends who were already working here in Chengdu, um, who I went to university with. Um, The fact that I could piggyback off of their experiences made it extremely easy. They basically helped me get here. Financially speaking, I'd say the most difficult thing that a lot of people don't bear in mind is you can make a lot of money and big time bucks in overseas working in a variety of different industries. But the most difficult thing at the end of the day will always be getting money out of the country that you're working in and into your bank accounts. If you're doing a Western Union transfer, you're looking at losing 30-ish percent of whatever you send, like 20, between 20 and 30 percent based on banking charges and international tariffs. So that's a bit rough. 
So welcome back to the show. Um, that was Travis on the clip, and we are about to chat to you guys about the other side of immigration, which is financial immigration. And we are chatting to Jonty Leon, who's a legal manager at Financial Immigration South Africa. Um, hello, Jonty. Hi there. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. So we we want we would like to know what what is financial immigration and how does it differ from non financial immigration? Okay, so. Um, just from listening to the show, uh, the, sort of the past 40 minutes, I think perhaps there's a, a bit of a misunderstanding with what financial immigration may be. It's not necessarily just taking money out of the country, but it's, it, it more has to do with, with, with tax law, South African tax law, and trying to break your tax residency of South Africa. And I think mm. the main point of it is that we, we've got tax law in South Africa that has recently been amended to say that if you are working abroad, a South African working abroad, you could potentially have to pay tax on that money abroad in South Africa. Um, so by financially immigrating, you break your tax residency. It has nothing to do with your citizenship or, or your birthright or constitutional right to be a South African, um, but rather to your tax residency so that you don't have to pay any tax in South Africa on that foreign income that's earned. So you would now only be paying tax into in the country that you're moving to? Well, exactly, exactly. And I, I mean, that's what it really should be. Um, instead of, you know, paying, paying tax to South Africa on that, on that country earning abroad, even though you're not living there. Okay, so that, yeah, that changes things quite a bit. Um, and in t- so in terms of a young person who's now um, looking to immigrate and wants to plan financially, like how would yeah. that affect them? Okay, so... Generally, the law has been has has been made in such a way that for for young South Africans, you've just finished university and you're deciding to go to the UK or wherever it may be. Mm. Um, often, you get a good salary com- com- comparable to South Africa, um, but it's it's not generally over a million rand. And right now, in terms of our tax law, um, there's an exemption, and the exemption exempts all of your income that's all of your foreign income from tax in South Africa as long as you meet certain requirements. The change is from 1 March 2020, the amendment to the law, where there's now a cap on that of 1 million rand. So if you earn more than a million rand, um, and that's taking into consideration not just your salary, but some, some places are paying for if you've got kids, for instance, their schooling, for your rent, for you know certain countries you need security, all thrown into the package. And if you earn above a million rand, you can be taxed as high as 45% of that money in South Africa. Um, so for those people that are, are, are generally students or, or, or young South Africans, they don't need to really worry about that because they still fall below that one million rand threshold and then the tax law doesn't really affect them as long as they make sure that they meet those requirements. Otherwise, you end up paying tax in South Africa um, on that foreign income, which is very unfortunate. And, and, the, and that one million rand can only be in earnings. It can't be in terms of, for example, like assets that are owned. It has to be earnings. Yeah. So um, you can have, you know, property all over the world or shares or whatever it may be. And that's absolutely fine. In terms of this exemption, that one million rand, we're looking specifically at your remuneration, at, at what you're earning abroad. What SARS is looking at that and they, they are very hungry to, to try and tax you. And in terms of uh, tax, 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 tax implications, which, which countries actually have the least um, uh, tax requirements? Mm. So if we look at uh, the UAE, you're seeing you know, almost zero tax 
um, being, being levied there. Um, and South Africans going there getting paid fantastic salaries because they're often looking for, for very skilled labor. Um, so these massive salaries, and they're getting taxed almost nothing. I mean, the, the cost of living over there is very high, but getting taxed almost nothing. And that means, you know, once 1 March 2020 comes and that, it, that the law actually becomes effective, they're going to be paying all of that tax in South Africa on that foreign income because they're not paying any tax there. Mm. Um, John T. Mudiwa um, here. I just wanted to check in uh, in terms of some of these um, tax laws and the like. Um, how do you help people not to conflate um, the, your tax citizenship and the taxes and all of that stuff uh, versus the stigma around offshore accounts and hiding your money and all of that embezzlement stuff that we are used to hearing about? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a complicated one because, of course, just you know the thought of an offshore account, you know, let's say the Cayman Islands, um, people automatically think you're trying to evade tax, which is obviously illegal. But what isn't illegal is avoiding tax. Avoiding tax is 100% legal as long as you go along the you know it's the legal routes, um, and that's what financial immigration does. You can have all of the offshore accounts that you like. But you just got to understand that very possibly you could be taxed on it. And yes, you, if, you, if you're doing it perhaps in a legal way uh, or, or even a legal way, you need to know that it's not a case of if, but when. Um, we've got something called the common reporting standards now. Um, and with that, banking institutions and, and tax revenue institutions around the world have now agreed to share information with each other. And that means if you've got a, a hidden account in, in uh, wherever, in the Cayman Islands, if that country has agreed to, to the common reporting standards, they will now start feeding that information to SARS. So you think you're safe by hiding it there, <laughs> but actually you're not. It's all being shared, and then you decide, let me, let me you know, do my, my tax return in South Africa for this year, and I'll declare you know, certain things, and I'll leave out that because no one knows about that problem with doing that is maybe you're not caught out this year or the next year or for the next five years but when you are caught out the penalties will be massive and if it's evasion the chances are prison um my last question just has to do with something that uh our one of our listeners travis said um just mm. before we spoke to you he was talking about um how hard it was and the cost of actually moving money uh, from another country back to south africa so i can only mm. imagine that if a person um is being made to pay let's say you're working in the uae and you're earning more than a million rand when you then are forced to pay SARS that money um, over, you're going to be paying the tax portion plus whatever exchange control amount you are going to pay to move the money from the UAE to South Africa anyway. Am I understanding that situation right? Absolutely. And that's a a scary thing, especially for, for, you know, students or or, or young young South Africans. Last year, the amendment to the law, they, they first said we're going to scrap the exemption altogether. And that means from the first rand that you made outside South Africa, it was taxable in, in South Africa. Then there was a fight in Parliament to, to get that change, and now we've got the million rand exemption, at least. Um, but the point is, we've got this tax, South African tax on your foreign income, 
And then you've got all these fees around just transferring money back. And so many South Africans do that because they've got their family back here. And often there is a lot of financial support from these South Africans abroad to their family in South Africa. And now they're having to deal with tax and, and banking fees. Um, so my suggestion would be to, to not look along the, the standard channels of, of making payments from abroad to South Africa in terms of using a bank account, but perhaps looking at something like PayPal, where the fees would generally be a lot lower and it's a lot easier to transfer. Um, because you know, when, when Travis was speaking about you know, 30% of, of that money being transferred, that, that's absolutely crazy. How is anyone supposed to survive being taxed and being, having to pay fees like that? Thank you very much. That was John T. Leon from Financial Immigration South Africa. On the other side of this, we come to the end of the show. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. This is the Business Buzz. We are talking immigration. Uh, we've actually heard from a number of people. Uh, we heard from Deanne, who is from Canada Abroad. We just spoke to Jonti, uh, who is uh, from Financial Immigration. And we've been listening uh, to some of our listeners and uh, South Africans that have moved abroad, giving us some of the experiences. And the last one we have is uh, Palessa just telling us about her experience. My name is Balesa Mashiko and I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa. I am currently pursuing a two-year master's at Erasmus University in the Netherlands. Deciding to pursue my master's abroad was not an easy decision to make from a financial standpoint. Without financial assistance in the form of a scholarship or a company acting as your sponsor, it's virtually impossible to look at programs and study abroad because it is so expensive. I knew that after my bachelor's that I wanted to pursue a graduate program abroad and that it would require a lot of budgeting and a lot of saving. So I did a lot of research into various scholarship programs and I also started saving a lot of money. This was not an easy task and it's it, this is something that has been in the works for um, nearly about four years and so I was finally in a position to study abroad after I'd saved up a significant amount of money and after making decision to like for example sell my car and with a little bit of assistance from family I was able to put the money together and send this whole lump sum over um, to the university. I was also very lucky that even though I had missed uh, most of the scholarship deadlines, the university took off a significant amount from my tuition. Even though it was really challenging and difficult, I, I managed to get all the money together. As an international student, you are expected to pay for everything up front. So after you've been through the application process and you've received your um, unconditional acceptance, you then not only have to pay for your tuition up front, but you also then have to pay for your cost of living for a whole year. And this is a huge sum. Obviously, the, the, the amount varies from program to program and country to country. But I was then looking at over 300,000 rand that needed to be paid immediately. It definitely wasn't easy, but it was so worth it. 
and would definitely encourage all South Africans to really look into studying overseas and don't be deterred by your financial situation. So that's uh, that sort of brings our show to an end. Uh, thank you so much to Palissa, to Travis, to Stuart and to Alex um, who sent us uh, some of the experiences around what it is to what it is like uh, to move uh, from South Africa, uh, go abroad. Uh, there was a lot. There was a strong uh, Germany. Germany. We we leaned yes. towards Germany. Just uh, two. Just, just, just two. <laughs> uh, but we also heard from China. Uh, but it sounds like a lot. I think the costs. Eh. So would you would you do your masters abroad after today's show? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's one that's on the bucket list. Uh, and uh, yeah, and in terms of places that I w- would be open to, it's definitely like the, my top three is in the Netherlands, um, Germany, and Canada. So it's like it's so ironic because those are all like <laughs> countries that were touched on during the show today. Yeah. Yeah. What about the cost? I, I'm I'm asking you about the cost. Yeah, I mean the cost is the hard part. Like you're saying, you know, she sold her car, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then there's also like the it's like you caught between spending all of this money on yourself, or and then there's also like black tax on the other side. You like, can I afford to spend three hundred thousand rands on just myself, or <laughs> do I use that three hundred thousand rands to change my people's life? It's it's hard. It's not easy. Okay. It's not easy. Well, I think I can give like a bit of a a personal testimony to say that it just depends on what it is, what your circumstances are and mm. what it is that you're looking for wherever you move to, mm. right? Uh, one thing I can definitely say about South Africa is that South Africa in the context of Africa, right, is a very developed economy. Right. So you'll find uh, I've actually heard a number of people saying this, that out of uh, a lot of places that people have lived across the world, uh, whether it's in Australia, the UK, Canada, wherever, people like South Africa because you, especially if you go to a place like Cape Town, for example, right? Why do you think there's so many foreigners in Cape Town? It's because they get, uh, you get a bit of a European feel. It's cosmopolitan. Uh, it's very yes, but inclusive. Well, at a lower cost, inclusive. at a lower cost than you would in a Berlin, in a in True. an Amsterdam, in it's a Sydney. Class. It's definitely world class. Yeah, yeah, so it's an interesting one. It's an interesting for one. sure. Uh, but personally, I don't think I would want to. I think Canada for me, if yeah. I could live there, that would yeah. be good. But otherwise, ah, uh, no. Let's let's stay here. The cost. Let's go visit. Yeah. But in terms of living, yeah. the cost is just a bit. For much. me, the only thing that would stop me from going would be thinking it's like the weather was just crap all year round. <laughs> but then, other than that, no, I'm definitely an adventurous spirit. Okay, cool. So, in terms of social media, how can people continue talking to us about this issue? Yes, on Facebook, they can catch us at Vow FM, Voice of Vits, and Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, it's at Vow FM, our hashtag Business Buzz. WhatsApp line is 084-078-4912. And they can also stream us live at www.vowfm.co.za. And they can also find our podcasts on www.vitsjournalism.co.za slash business. So with that, we've come to the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much to our amazing team, our executive producer, Elna Schutz. Our producer, uh, welcome Lishiva, together with our technical producer, that's Kutluano Serame. Don't miss the business bus same time same place next week for more insight into the world of business
Remember, we are a 24-hour station. On the other side of this, you don't turn that dial. We have the team from Life Beats uh, coming in from 7 until 8 p.m. From myself, Mudio Mob, Justice Gavazza, Slingy Mazondo, and the rest of the team, it's a good evening and take care. Peace. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Bauer FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.